When I was 19 in film school, I had this class on the history of television. It was a whole bunch of kids fancying themselves the next genius screenwriter or director. All of us in this lecture hall, and the professor walks in, first day of class, sets his things down at the podium up front, and looks around at all of us, and he takes a deep breath, and he says, let's get one thing straight. Orson Welles was 18 when he founded the Mercury Theater Company. So any of you who thought you might be Wunderkinds, if you were, you wouldn't be here right now. And the room went silent. And after that very direct, very necessary comment, man, I had this weight lifted from my shoulders. Because like, once you realize that you're not actually a genius and that you're not going to be either, and a shame it took me that long, well, you can relax. You can be playful. You can be stupid. You don't have to be so serious all the time. You can accept criticism. You can indulge in the thing for the thing's own sake. In crypto art, however, many don't yet seem to have gotten that message. This space, it has always seemed to me, has a self-seriousness problem. But, you know, what art movement doesn't? We are creating serious art. We want it taken seriously. We want everything treated as if it's a masterwork. And many people will go absolutely bananas if they receive any denigration to their precious, perfect artistry. Now, our guest today is an artist I admire for many reasons, but the thing I admire most about him is his ability not just to wield humor and lightness, but to create work that is so goddamn aware of its own inanity. It's serious artwork, and Die With The Most Likes is a serious artist, but this edgy, weird, hilarious, super, super dark art is always so ridiculous, so extra, so stupid, on purpose, and that's absolutely beautiful. Not content to merely put his own ideas through this aesthetic and conceptual meat grinder, Dai takes so much crypto art iconography and treats it just the same. His Twitter page is a torrent of remixed artworks, all having been given this Die with the Most Likes treatment, which usually means their texture has been made beefier, their details replaced by flies, there might be nipple rings or sex toys or other kinds of late-stage capitalistic hellaciousness scattered around. He does for a lot of crypto art what that professor did for me. He forces us to recognize that what we're all doing here isn't so damn serious. And that's a big, weighty, unruly topic to unpack. But we'll spend the next 50 minutes or so unpacking it. I hope you enjoy listening to Colborn, Die With The Most Likes, and myself do so on this week's Mocha Live podcast. Good evening, everybody. It is 5.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, and my name is Max Cohen. I will be one of your hosts for today's episode of the Mocha Live podcast. We have an absolute killer episode for you today with an absolutely killer guest. But first, introducing my co-host, as always, the wonderful, the wild, the wicked founder of the Museum of Crypto Art. Look at that face he makes. Nobody makes faces like him. It's Colborn Bell. Colborn, what's up? Uh, it's been an absolutely wild day and I am happy for the respite. Yes. Let this place of learning be your respite today. <laughs> um, so I was inspired to have today's guest on, um, the other day when I saw his untitled, um, unless good meat counts as a title, 
uh, parody of Pindar Van Armen's project, Reflections, which came out today. But uh, it was Mr. Die with the Most Likes' version that popped up on my Twitter feed. It was ringed with repeating neon green words like meat and was composed otherwise of ground beef and flies. And since then, Die, you've published send-ups in your style of Apple's Vision Pro, Dimitri Cherniak's Ringers, and X-Copy's Algo Bro. And today I wanted to have you on to talk about parody, homage, remixing, the line between them all. So without further ado, uh, welcome to Mocha Live, our guest, Die with the Most Likes. What is up? Welcome to the show. Oh man, I'm stoked. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> stoked. <laughs> I'm stoked as fuck to be on, dude. And I was uh, happy you reached out because it's something that I just love and I hold dear to my heart in terms of like embracing humor, absurd madness, and, and really kind of blurring the lines between like uh, between it all. What is ridicule? What is parody? What is appreciation so um it's it's my favorite fucking thing ever so i'm I'm stoked to talk about it cool well, we're gonna spend 45 minutes talking about it so i hope you are uh ready for a series of in-depth questions that are going to plumb let's do it some gotcha journalism hopefully that is exactly yeah. what we do on the mocha live podcast show, baby. <laughs> right just try to get hot hot super hot takes that you remember that tweet my, from 10 years ago dad right, right. <laughs> let's We've do it, it let's bring it on <laughs> right <laughs> Why do you, uh, first question, why do you hate Pindar Van Armen's work so much that you would reduce it to uh, the rubble of a supermarket shelf? Oh, man, it's so funny because like Pindar is not only one of my favorite artists in the space, but just one of my favorite artists in general. I think that he's not only just a genuinely like awesome dude, but his art is so crazy that I think I would have lost my mind doing half the shit he does with those robots and i'm not suggesting any, any type of perversion there but uh you know like he he you know the things he does uh really do skew and again blur the lines of, of reality it, itself and what um it means to make something and the process of creation and so you know i actually i grabbed one of those reflection pieces today because they're they're super fucking sick and i yeah. love the collection so much like and it's funny that you say that because like he um and he was so nice when he and I look at him as one of the, the best, you know, an OG um, AR, AI artist or AI skewing artist out there. So when he had said all that nice stuff when the Beef Broth Ghost came out, I was like, you know, completely blown away by his kindness and, and sincerity there because it's like, you know, then you watch him launch something that like completely fucks everyone's world up like this reflections piece. And, um, you know, I just felt like I had to, I had to pay it homage as a ground beef, uh, you know, sculpture. <laughs> Well, so that's a perfect place to, to kind of jump in, which is like, you know, I mentioned a couple artists before, but like folks like Grant Yoon, Mark Rothko, Edward Hopper, like artists mm. throughout history, artists today, like you take all of your own iconography, you know, the beef, uh, the flies, the pawn stars, um, all this like fucked up Americana and you apply them to the work of these other artists. And like, I, I know we had mentioned that like, you know, I'd given it a couple categories, right? Homage, remixing, parody. Mm -hmm like how do you consider it like and, and how would you describe like what you're doing here when you like mm -hmm. take these works and put them through the meat grinder um no pun intended of like your sensibility mm. yeah uh it's it's kind of it's kind of this desire to be uh, to be omnipresent and and just have just essentially force people to reckon with with the concept of the legalization of ground beef and just ground up pulverized animal parts in general but like really I think my favorite part of it was the question you even asked, which was like, there's, there's ambiguity in terms of what is homage, what is parody, you know, what, cause the, cause I also do 
stupid beef versions of quantum cats with like the lion's den adult bookstore or, you know, so I think that I, I really love the fact that there's this kind of um, obscured um, perception of, of what these daily ground meats are like, you know, they, they can range from anything from something that I completely detest to something that I hold very dear. But in the end, I think that the beauty behind everything is that nothing is sacred and, and everything is meat in the end is, is the way I look at it in some ways. I mean, even look at like the profile picture behind Colborn's head. <laughs> right. So, so here's a fun fact, right? Is that a Big Mac, the, the meat patty in a Big Mac can contain up to a thousand different animals from five different countries. Holy <laughs> shit. I did not know that. And, and apparently, brilliant. and nearly half of it, 43% of what is in there is salt. Wow. And for only six ninety nine. So it's just dyed, it's just more or less dyed salt. Is that how or it's or the <laughs> salt is like the adhesive that's holding together all the lips and buttholes of all these animals? <laughs> well, you that's guys remember wild. you must have seen that the movie like Super Size Me back in the day, where they that had like those one. giant factories full of like the ammonia ridden like oh, pink yeah. waste that they would like form into chicken nuggets. Yeah. And they claim that that's not the case anymore, but I have my I certainly have my suspicions. Um but I will say that that Grimace birthday shake was was like one of the best products I've had over the last year. I don't know if you guys indulged in that. I didn't indulge, but I'm certainly aware of everything Grimace related. It was, it was very good. It was solid. <laughs> the, the two the two bits of iconography most important to me are Grimace and mm. um, Cookie Puss from Carvel. Cookie Puss. I don't know if I know Cookie Puss. Oh, bro. No it's amazing. Cookie Puss is a cake like Fudgy the Whale that Carvel makes, except it's like a little face with like these weird little arms. Uh, and the backstory is that, yeah, it's like an ice cream space alien that came down to like save us with flavor. It's oh, amazing. I love <laughs> This guy looks great. I love, I like Domino's Pizza. The Noid really is my, is my go-to guy. Remember that guy? He got, yeah. he oh, got like, gosh. People hated the Noid man. He was very. I mean, like, like he just looks like the most annoying fucking like, asshole. But wait till you find out that not to keep bringing up Cookie Puss, but they have a. You just like saying it. I do, but I even more than that, I like to say the St. Patrick's Day version, which is Cookie Opus, and everything's green. <laughs> we need to make a Bitcoin Ordinals Cookie Puss uh, ASAP. Let's launch that. Oh. Let's launch that today. From your lips to Satoshi's ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but so like this is interesting right then this is kind of on topic because it's like all these bits of iconography which are weird and strange and super commercialized but there's still like a reverence within them and like e even your work like the, the going back to this piece behind colborne like it's colborne's face it's absolutely degraded it's covered in flies and made of meat it looks like it's actually melting but like reduced in cost yep but it's reverent right and it is like yeah. um like a celebration of our friend colborne and yes, like that line is so interesting where you're like the iconography that you use takes these things and like reduces them to like Americana rubble, but it is also like celebrating them. And they're like For hysterical. Sure. Like, like oh, I guess like, where is this place in you? This like desire to mesh this like horrifying bleak imagery with like, I don't know, like you're a super nice dude. Every time I've heard you speak, you're just like, a kind like i could sense the like midwestern kind sensibility like <laughs> mm -hmm. how how do you like get these things to meet in this place which is such like a thin line mm. well i think yeah that um i would say it's funny like i think my obsession with with ground well but the obsession with ground beef kind of actually started like 
I don't know. Did you guys do manwiches when you were little? Like your your mom would just buy a huge chub pack and then throw it in that manwich sauce. Sloppy Joe, yeah. Sloppy Joe, the, yeah. The lunch so, ladies. Yeah, lunch ladies. But but like I think that the meat we had back then was like insane. I I would chip a tooth like every like I legit think it was sixty forty <laughs> blended meat. So I I'm like really? I'm super obsessed with that because I'm like it's really nostalgic in some ways. Um, that you know essentially piling something into a pan and slopping it out for everyone to just eat from a trough uh, from like the lunch ladies or at home. Um, but, you know, I think that the the part that I love about kind of threading the, the bleakness of, mm, so, of the Rust Belt sometimes, or, you know, highway culture uh, loves and lion's den and like all the fucked up stuff or, you know, flashlights and just like the <laughs> kind of, just the kind of descent that we're all experiencing into this, into this like transactional insect state is that like, there's, there is a lot of humor behind it. It's just all really, really funny. So I think, um, I think to dwell on the sadness of that or, or the bleakness of those things specifically, and not to, you know, have your own take or remix or remix them in a comical way, it almost just becomes too unbearable to endure in many ways. So you might as well just lean into it and, um, exaggerate it and, you know, fuck it out and, and have it be this kind of high octane, you know, uh, gas station sex bill for, for lack of a better thing, where people can like, just, just laugh at, at the absurdity and, and the things that we, um, embrace and indulge in on a regular basis. If I can jump in here and without revealing too much about our, our friends here, uh, and share maybe that you know all of all of this comes from reality right the reality that we're mm -hmm. coping with of just uh perhaps like drowning in spam and inauthenticity and also at some point probably in our lives being facilitators of this system you know like my first yes. job right out of school was uh you know like quote unquote investment banking but it was the 2000 vin diesel ben affleck movie boiler room <laughs> oh, man. in which we were just like <laughs> churning and burning like calling i was yeah. calling every single secretary for every single doctor lawyer trying to get them on the phone and then and then passing it to you know the managing director who would just pitch them something absurd and the fact of the mm. matter is the sad fact of the matter is is that it works so like the more yeah. kind of shit you just throw out there this is what we're kind of reduced to is just kind of churn and burn digital mass marketing um and it's really like deleterious to the human situation and it's really easy in all of this exposure to get depressed on how we're moving out of community into digital spaces mm -hmm. not knowing anymore if people are human or real or ai or what has generated this thing and i think at the end of the day yeah like all you can do is laugh and we kind of have to push through this exponential shit pile that we're casting mm -hmm. and oddly and oddly enough it's a it's an interesting point because we're purveyors of that exact shit too i mean like we're doing it like you know we're creating content for people to uh consume uh as it were and it's just so funny i mean I, i'd like to think that this is uh somewhat i don't know uh elevated or, or something but it, it, in the at the end of the day it's just so funny to imagine that we're there with our shovels you know, creating uh, an indiscernible pollution pile that's just just in, just like impregnating the clouds that kind of hang over all of us. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it, but like that's just kind of the reality we live in. Like you said, Goldborn. Like a lot of your stuff reminds me of George Carlin in the sense that like 
George Carlin was amazing at like staring into the void and like finding something funny about it. I was just mm. talking with a friend about this bit that George Carlin did, the comedian. For those of you who aren't aware of him, you should definitely check out George Carlin because he was like the goat. Yeah, the last the last great comedian. He's kind of like Dane Cook, for those of you who don't he's, know. He's like basically a- Dane Cook. Right. Uh, <laughs> but he had this bit about <laughs> stuff. And he's like, he's like, we spend our lives and we get all this stuff and we really like the stuff that we have. We have these like big boxes with apartments and houses so we can hold our stuff. And sometimes we go over to other people's houses and like they have nice stuff, but we don't like it as much as we like our stuff. But sometimes you need a vacation from your stuff. So you go to a hotel room. They have like stuff that like you wouldn't buy. It's not your stuff, but you kind of like spending time with someone else's stuff for a little bit. But then after too long, you start to miss your stuff. So you have to go back home to be around all your stuff again before you get sick of it. And it's like, obviously, comment on consumerism. But it's also misery loves company, right? And uh, we're all in this fucking meat pile together. But I, I yeah. also think that it's like not easy to necessarily see that, especially if it's like, I don't know, we have a seriousness problem in crypto art, which I want to talk about later at length. But like people take their work and their art very, very seriously, mm-hmm. totally fine and totally the right to do so. But then you take it and you like, again, put it through this meat grinder that you make where it becomes like messed up and sometimes, frankly, like revolting. Like, do you did you when you first started doing this, like your earliest like parodies of of these works, like. Were people pissed? Like, or was it always like, I don't know, gratitude that you were like sending up their work in this way? Oh man, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't even remember to be honest. Um, I think the first one that that I did that got any sort of notoriety was the nipple ringer, and Dimitri was <laughs> like was so kind. So yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's just it's a ringer, but it's um as though the it's it's nipples instead of rings, and then or instead of pegs, and then uh, the description is that they were like hastily pierce at a claire's uh like minting shop in shipshawana indiana so like it, that was on hickant nuke when i minted that thing and it was really funny because he reached out and was like dude that is a rad piece now that, that was the first time that anyone i think has ever said anything uh when i did that so he's him and i have become friends like i, I was very um yeah i was really honored that he w- would say that about something that was a, a nipple version of his work so he it was super cool, but for the most part, everybody is really cool. And I think that um, maybe it does fall into the, the category where where there is uncertainty, whether it is homage or not. But for the most part, man, like I really, I really dig a lot of the, the artists around here. And so, you know, there, I think that the parody skews more into the, um, you know, the PFP shit or the like, whatever Ty Lopez t- like experience or like, you know, the, the doodles Pfizer, uh, the, the doodles times Pfizer collab where they're like giving out, you know, vaccines at shoe carnival or whatever. Um, you know, so those are the ones that I just love kind of skewering a little bit more, but even then it's just, it really all is in good fun. It's never really done. I don't think in a, in a hurtful way, I hope. Um, but yeah, so, so mainly people have been pretty chill with it. And I think that ultimately there's a, there's an element there where I think the thing is just, it might be too absurd to even have a, any type of reaction to you know where it's like well what what do i make of this it's here's my here's my piece with like uh like people did like a meat piece the other day and then i did like a dick piece to combat it <laughs> and i had like a brace a brassers logo on it and stuff and it's like what do you what do you even do with it so maybe that's kind of uh, where people skew on uh, how they're looking at it too have you ever like pissed someone off with them like has anyone ever come at you with like real negativity because you like sent up their work in a way they didn't necessarily appreciate no one has. Uh, it's it's strange, man. Uh, like I think, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that never happens. But um, 
No one has quite yet. Yeah, I, I would. I actually would have anticipated somebody doing that, but it, it's been pretty chill. Um, I'm trying to think. There's been yeah. There's been people who have gotten pissed at like the, some of these some copy pasta that I've done, but no no one that I really care about. So, <laughs> who do you care about? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess nothing. I don't. Really, I guess there's not a lot, but yeah, it's it's pretty fun. But how do you how do you decide like what you're going to send up or what you're going to remix like what hits you and 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 why does it hit you in that way? Uh, I think that I think that if I get a small laugh to myself about uh, about reimagining it is is meat. That's like the number one thing. So if I'm going through my timeline and I'll be thinking like like tomorrow's one is actually Ray, uh, who's an awesome artist. Ray, uh, what's his last name? He's super dope. You you guys know he's got like an e he's got like an ether sign for saying Ray Larsdam. Well, he did this he did anyways he did this this dope you know crypto art NFT class of 2023 and that's the one tomorrow because I just saw it and I'm just like well this would be hilarious if the crypto art class of 2023 was just a pile of rotting meat and that's it and that's the, <laughs> the, the, the depiction of it it's like so that's gonna be it tomorrow so everyone can like get, look forward to that but you know I try to I try to just like again kind of just make myself like laugh in some ways and just say like what well, what would be like a comical um depiction of this and and then that's kind of how i decide really and sometimes it's just stuff that i've been like you know super stoned on the couch watching daytime television and thinking like oh man like you know judge judy one and turn her into judge dread or you know there's there's just weird stuff that i'll just think about kind of on a daily basis and it's funny you ask that because Lately, I don't know. I'd love to ask you guys about this, man. Lately, I've just been like, you know, I, I felt like my Twitter addiction was getting insane for a while. And over the past like week and a half or so, I've been trying to be less on there. And I think that my creativity is like is absolutely skyrocketed since not just being glued onto that godforsaken app. I don't know. What do you, have you guys found that too, that you're just, you know, dying on there lately or, you know, have. Uh, I am spending, well, I'm spending less time. We just had this conversation yesterday, right? About social media, Max? I don't know, man. It's everything is esteeming again. You know, it goes back to the, the, the fact that like, what are we doing? Yeah. What, what doing? is it? That, I mean, like, we, I'm, yeah. you know, just, just, I'm playing this crypto, the game. There's like 140 people left out of 500. And I, I don't really want to make it about this, but it's just like all day politicking, nobody building. <laughs> And that's what I felt for the past three years, kind of in the NFT mm. space after the market was taking off. It's just like politicking for bags and mm-hmm. nobody actually building. And it's kind of to the point of absurdity where if we don't actually get people into the space, invested, involved, or make it easier, people give a shit, well, then it all goes to zero. So what are you really politicking over? It's just right. way easier to like run your mouth online and say either something trolling, nobody knows if it's real or authentic. A lot of these people in my mind sound like completely off their rocker. So like go back into the laboratory and build something or create something. And if you don't do that, then I don't know. Yeah, Um, I spend more time on Twitter than literally ever. It's just a constant upward trend. And I hate it, but I also, there's also an element of like, I am, present in my twitter usage to an extent like i'm Mm. I'm not like i'm not deep in my head in a sense that like i feel that that's really when i start to get not negativistic but just like away from the reality that i'm experiencing and even though it's 
theoretically like a distraction to be on Twitter and such. Like, I don't know, I guess I was just about to try and make like a Buddhist defense of social media usage. And even as I was saying it, that didn't really, I, I don't want to go any further with that. So no, it's a, it's a, it's a dead cancer and I hate it. And now everyone's moving to like Warpcast. So am I. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, I know, I kind of know where you're going with it. Cause I, on one hand, it's a, it's a detestable, you know, uh, like skin tag on, on our fucking asses. But then on the other hand, it's like, there's, uh, there's something that is, is reflective of like what we're all going through right now in terms of like, yeah, our fast casual existence is, is humans and, um, it's easy and it's like popcorn and you just sit there and consume all day. And it, it, in some ways it's, it's super rad because, you know, like, um, if for as much as it sucks, like, I wouldn't have been able to have like whatever any, I, I wouldn't have seen the success that I've, I've had as like an artist. Like I, the most I ever sold a, a painting for before like digital art before, like, you know, Twitter kind of got big and stuff was, I think I sold one for 70 bucks one time. And it was like a painting that I'd spent like, you know, a hundred hours on or something. And I was like, Oh, s- this is sick, dude. You know, like I was super pumped. Not that, not that that's not a, a, a good amount of money, but like, it's just weird to think that, the that social media is kind of the, again the adhesive that that pulls us all together and like you know we wouldn't be doing this pod and i wouldn't have met a lot of really solid people but at the same time it does just feel like a toothbrush shank that's just bleeding you out on a daily basis so it's a weird balance but but i guess like the point is that and like i feel like this plays in a lot of your work too like social media is the void it is literally like the it crumbling yeah. ultra loud void which is there i think that on some level there is some use in staring into it yeah. with relative frequency, maybe not staring into it always, but like you can't ignore that this like tank. I was on, I just came back from vacation recently. And one of the places that we went to was this like seal reserve where all these seals come to mate. Right. Uh-huh. And there's like 200,000 seals in the seashore and they are just like crawling all over each other. They smell absolutely terrible, but it's just like rats, right? Like rats or ants. And there is, as horrible as it is to say like there is something there is a truth in the fact that like to be alive is to like be a crawling insectoid worm like you know like lusting after consumerism and lusting after Uh like food and sex and um purchasing and like status and all this stuff that like your work forces you to look at by like literally melting and being beef like the, again the thing behind colborne's head is a perfect example like there is use in like existing in this space and seeing the like tangled mass of humanity that it is mm-hmm. it, it's deeply depressing if it's not like balanced out with something else but it's not a completely like there is something that is even in its terror and it's like baseness like beautiful about it it's like a carnal mm-hmm. gr- gross crawling beauty Agreed. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I did. Yeah, like it's it really is kind of like a, a shared like we talk. I've talked about this. It's kind of like a shared glory hole, you know, like everybody's just sitting there waiting for an unreciprocated orgasm. And that's just kind of what it is. But at least you feel something for a moment, you know, right, I guess. That's OK, though. It's OK. <laughs> right, Mas- right, masturbation right. is good. Yeah. You're not you growing go. hair right. on your palms. This isn't the Catholic yeah, yeah. Church of the 1500s. You are not going I to explode know. in fire. I was, I was, yeah, I was raised Irish Catholic and it is the amount of regret and remorse you feel in everything you do is, is nuts, dude. I, I don't know if you guys were too, but it is, it is not a fun place to be. I'm Jewish as Jewish can be. And that means mm. Jewish guilt. It means the, like the so legacy similar. of a, 
I mean, there, there's definitely some crossovers. We're, uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess there's a similar commitment to like birthing as much as humanly possible. <laughs> right, for sure. When you look at like when you make your own work and it's like staring into the void versus when you're like remixing somebody else's work and it's staring into the void, like is there like a similar approach there or is it is there like a difference in how you like approach the void when you're like being careful with like, I don't know, trying to honor somebody else's work as opposed to degrading it? Yeah, there's a, there definitely is. Well, for my piece, for a lot of my pieces specifically, I think there's just a lot more like thought. Like you said, it's carefulness and thought consideration. Like they're really, um, you know, for as much as they kind of hit you in the face when you, when you pull back and read the prose that I write and stuff, I really try to be as considerate as I, as I possibly can in reflecting on, you know, the memories that I've had and the emotions that I've gone through and like really trying to adequately express those things. And, you know, like it's, um, it's something that I take super. So like on one hand, I think there's like a ton of comedy in that. And then on the other hand, where, like you were saying earlier, like I do take it really seriously, um, those pieces. And especially like when people collect them, you know, like I, I want them to, or experience them just by looking at them on Twitter. Like I want, I want those people to feel something and like, you know, really be um, brought into that specific memory or emotion. And so like, yeah, that's, that's my number one goal. So like, I think that there's uh there's a tendency for those to be a little bit more hopefully consuming and a little bit more suffocating uh, in some ways. Fair. You yeah. Know, I, I wanted to, I, I want to make sure we get like ample time to talk about this um, because I think it's like the subtext to a lot of your work and, and a lot of the reason why people really identify with what you create, which is like, I mentioned it before, like crypto art has a self-seriousness problem and maybe like all art movements have a self-seriousness problem, but like, I don't know, crypto art between it's like, you know, the hopelessness of an extended bear market and like this attempt by artists to like reach some kind of sublime and feel that they are like capable of actually doing so. Like it can be pretty, it can be pretty abyssal if yes. that makes any sense. And like bleak and argumentative and like oftentimes kind of cruel. There's all this drama and sometimes you'll like insert yourself into that drama. Um, like when Jerry Saltz was beefing with Rafik Anadol. And you Ugh. like noted that Jerry Saltz liked your Edward Hopper send up of um, yeah. Nighthawks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you like, you have this ability to both like be involved in like this drama and this like kind of hatefulness and this like void, but like also float above it. Like you're an emissary of it and not being consumed by it, which is really interesting. You know, you invoked Beeple before. And I think that like there's a really interesting parallel there because Beeple does that as well. Obviously, coming from like different sides of the thing but people's like doesn't matter how much shit he gets he's like com remains completely untouched by it you know he keeps doing what he's doing mm -hmm. you know keeps like creating and sending up and like paying homage but like this comedic kind of overtone that you put into all of your work like is that a safety mechanism for you to survive in a place as like bleak as crypto art and like has it helped you to survive in a place that again can be pretty like void forward yeah, that would, that's definitely accurate, I think, because it does, it does really help, right, when people can't tell what's serious, what's not, or, you know, like just um, creating this kind of uh, onslaught of, of absurdity, um, and, it, and it makes it easy to comment on stuff and, like, just do whatever, because um, because it really is kind of a, a lawless, and, and, and it, like, I use the word onslaught because I do, uh, I do think that there's, there's a, like to my work and like what I do out there and my commentary, there's like a relentlessness to my hunger to document like the shit that's going on and, and have, and, and kind of almost just be, you know, 
omnipresent with everything. Like I've said that like my number one goal is to be just fucking everywhere. Like I don't care. I, I want to be like, we talked before the thing started. I want to be on a pair of, you know, crotchless khakis at Kohl's or, you know, like I want to be, I want my art to be literally everywhere and I want my takes to be everywhere. So it's, it, it makes it easy and it's just, and it's just funny. Like I almost look at it like it's a kind of almost like a stand-up or something like this perpetual stand-up bit that I'm doing where I can just, I can comment on stuff. And, and, it, and it, I think that there's part of it again, that none of it really comes from a place of, of, you know, hatred or otherwise it's, it's always just a place of trying to extract what's going on. And then, like just exaggerating the shit out of the absurdity of whatever that um, drama is, whatever that take is. And, and, and then, fi- and then I think people find that the hilarity in it, because even those involved in it can take a step back and say like, what, what, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what is this? Like Colborn said earlier, what, what are we doing here? Um, and, and that's always the question I, I want to, I want people to kind of ask themselves. Colburn, have you seen like crypto or get more self-serious over time since like the beginning? It seems like that's a great the stories question, I've yeah. heard is like it started out a lot more like playful. And again, we've talked about this with like collaborations. So there used to be so many more collaborations in crypto art. Now, people uh, for the uh, in a lot of senses, it's like a lot of like every man for himself. I mean, man, that's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, I only throw hardballs at you. You know, it's hard to call, yeah, it's, it's hard to call anybody's art in the beginning not self-serious, right? But you had voices like a lot of money who, and probably Mohara, who we spoke to earlier, who were laying the groundwork and template for something that was more, um, y- you know, something that a, a tradition that Die With The Most Likes has carried, right? It, it was uh, really, it was examining a pretty horrid thing through a lens of humor and parody. And for me, you know, that is always the most effective way to get the point across. So it's, it's been there, you know, I think Robness was very good at being like point on cultural, very sharp with what was happening, what this would lead to the, the art was also educating the audience around what we were concerned about, the ideology, and maybe because the audience is educated now, it's defaulting to perhaps storytelling around collections and bodies of work instead of something that might uh, reach out further to other people, if that makes sense. I think you hit on something important, which is like basically the way Gen Z treats humor and mass so much of TikTok, so much of just like meme culture is parodying horrible stuff. And like we do that like automatically, I think, in crypto art to an extent too. Like when you were speaking and I, I kept thinking of Kevin, the Pixelmon thing, right? That's a horrid story, right? If you look at the 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 truth of the matter of this company basically like sapping $70 million in mint funds from the community and then more. basically absconding yeah. with it. It might have been, yeah, even more than that, whatever, how many, yeah, how many millions lot, of yeah. dollars. Like, it's terrible. How many, pe- how many people like were screwed over in that? How many people like put their like very good hearted belief in like this project only to have it like squandered. But then out of it comes this, like this character, this meme, this like Frankenstein esque monster of Kevin that like the community incorporates into itself as a symbol because otherwise it's, again, it's like, it's either you are consumed by the void or you like 
you know, laugh into it. Right. I think that's right. And I think that it's, it's weird. I wonder if, um, well, I've, I've talked about this with like Summer Wagner, who's a, you guys know her. She's just an ungodly photographer, but she, um, her and I talked about this. I think that she takes a little bit of a different approach where her, her tweets are so earnest and just, just like beautifully crafted and stuff. But I think that both of us, uh, we have, we have a, a, a strange approach to things and, because I like we were both doing those like you know for, she was doing like forty dollar like huge portrait shoots for people and so I think that um, I look at the space and I, I just I try not to take myself too seriously because like there were so many years uh, where like anything that I made was just completely disregarded or you know not like not even like looked at let alone bought so I just look at it and I just I think that I I, I try to find ways to keep things hilarious and insane because it it is insane that we're all here right now doing this shit, you know, like it, it is crazy. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that maybe that has something to do with it too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, especially, you know, I, I've been incredibly, this is the first time, you know, crypto art is the only time that anybody's ever given a shit about the stuff I've written. Like I've spoken right. at length about like, you know, I wrote a novel and nobody could have cared less naturally no. you know i i like i wrote i've written a million short stories and submitted them to a million literary magazines and like it goes nowhere and then i come into crypto art yeah. and i start writing these like little bits of like art criticism these essays and people are they have kind words for me and it was like the first time in my life i had actual like there was any kind of expressed admiration for the work that i was doing and there is even in like that little moment i've, I've heard sarah zucker talk to me at length about like the importance of just like psychological support even if you can't give like financial support to For these sure. artists just like there is something you know everything is contradicts itself and everything is like too large there's like a beautiful and a horrifying in every single thing you know even like you know the beef broth goes of yours like they are if you take away like the context of like what you're doing and you just look at like the straight colors of them like they're these beautiful co color studies and if like you know you don't read the artist description that's like you know yeah, about me and consumerism like yeah, without the context sure. it is beautiful and it's like yeah. however deep you get into this thing there are like new facets of like how gorgeous it can be and how rewarding it can be and also how deeply deleterious it can be to your health for sure yeah 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 you're you are not wrong there and it's this it's same like i wrote i had written this book that i'd spent so much time on and like nobody i think my dad was the only person to, to read it which i which like i wrote it for him more or less it's like a yeah, it was a parody book, but um, now that like, yes, that now that people are like kind of fucking with my art and stuff, like people have gone back and read that book. And like, that's almost more special to me than, than anything else, because uh, it took so long. And I, I just assumed that no one was ever going to read it. So it's, it's been pretty insane. You know, something I'm curious about with, with you is, you know, you did a piece for us, for the Mocha Room Bitters Club called Chumzuki, which is, oh yeah. Chum Lee from Pawn Stars with a bong, but he's like styled <laughs> yeah. after like you know the yeah. uh, Zuki product, and yeah. like you know you minted that, right? And Beef Broth goes you minted, but a lot of these pieces that you like just throw into the ether, as far as I know, are unminted. They're just kind of like there to be seen. And we spoke with Mahara a couple weeks ago, and he does something similar, right? Only some of the pieces get minted. A lot of them are just kind of to be seen and then like thrown back into like the churning river that is like Twitter. Like, mm -hmm. how do you decide what? which of these pieces are like worthy of being minted and like having that like kind of a more eternal life and which are just kind of for like viewing pleasure and consumption and then to move on from, is that like a conscious choice? It definitely is. Yeah. Like if there were, 
if there if they exist at like a large enough scale where I feel like it propels my my overall like narrative of, of what I want to tell while I'm here and while I'm making art, then uh, th then those usually qualify. Like that, you know, so, someone would look back and say like, oh, this is this makes this is a cohesive you know um, narrative, even if it's insane at points and like it it may not make sense, um, you know, uh, at, at face. I think looking at it and saying like, oh, this is like part of like, you know, the, abs the absurdist documentary that was kind of being crafted at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And otherwise, I mean, they, they have to definitely be, they, they have to be something that I'm just really proud of too, you know, and whether that is, there are memes, like I, I definitely launched some with that uh, nifty chub pack where there was like a bunch of just, yeah, there was a bunch of just crazy ass memes and stuff in there. But they were they were definitely something that I was really proud of because like those things take those things can take a lot of time to think about too like they may not be and that's like you know you talk about like the seriousness of the space I think there's sometimes this um, I don't know what the word is like uh, expectation that like pieces the good pieces just take like five billion hours or something but they don't they just really don't have to there's there's like you know, you know beauty in sketches there's beauty in memes there's there's kind of beauty in all of that shit so. Uh, I, I don't know. I, that's the way I feel. I don't know about you guys, but I just think it's it's like rad to have kind of a combination of both. Like a, a piece can take a super long time, but also it may take, you know, 20 minutes, but there's like a, there's a, a, a kind of big story around it or like the thought process behind it or, or like what it was kind of conveying was a lot more complicated than the 20 minutes it took. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is like, uh, again, the self-seriousness problem self-seriousness problem like it starts out with like somebody's attitude towards their own work but then it manifests in all of these like expectations that like we are then subconsciously pulled to put on to like all work it should all take this long it should all be like incredibly thoughtful and like right, you know, use right. every every resource at one's disposal and it like it almost it becomes like exclusionary at a point because mm -hmm. like you know the more serious you are about this art then the more closed off you'll be to like other um versions of how this of how like artistry manifests you'll like lose yourself to the the momentary and the reactive and the like the quick and dirty which again beauty and all of those things and i think that like you know we can just see it in how like the messaging on crypto or in crypto art has like evolved and there is so like little celebration of things that aren't like these grandiose i mean i do it too i love these like grandiose performances and these things like you know the pindar reflections that we were talking about today which took obviously so much time and it's so thoughtful and like we have this incredible breakdown that like he and sovereign have given us of like how this came to be and you know all the different technologies working in concert but like it's just not applicable for most people nor should it be everyone should yeah. be able to put things out like you know it's like I, I wonder if we took that same attitude and we applied it to like modernist literature like modernist poetry like would we have ee e. cummings and ezra pound which are so like ridiculous and and you know there's obviously craft and artistry in them but like they're so silly and short and like honestly mm -hmm. can be stupid at times like would we miss out on all of these things would warhol be able to exist in this space because like he's just sending shit up and it's doesn't seem like it's taking very long at all you know the, the right. Marilyn monroe pop arts right like Mm -hmm. would that be able to exist here or would we like delete it because it doesn't show some like i don't know grandiose reflection of like a craft or technology it's a good question yeah coldborn what do you think i mean i i feel i feel well, look, I know. you know i've made i've made a whole thing so people would just share and mint more things Right. Yeah, right. I want, I need all of this content, like authenticated provenance, digital identity. I want artists having, you know, millions and millions of authentic pieces out there because I really think 
that where the internet is headed, where the future of content is headed is there are going to be people outside of yourself, forces much larger than you that have every single data point about you. They know what you like and they're going to be like auto tailoring AI content to you on demand. So the likelihood that you exist in five, 10 years with any human thing online is so, so low. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, so so you think yeah so you think that that like more I, or less everything yeah i also just think at the same time you know there's <laughs> going to be ais that are collecting and like the second any human drops something well like the a pack of, if we have a bot problem now then like a pack of ais are going to be on any single thing that you mint so the fact is is that we don't even remotely have a scarcity problem because there will mm. be uh there there will be so much i think demand for anything that is like i don't know real and authentic actual and, yeah and, and and then that that becomes harder and harder to tell i guess too on what is because i know i i sometimes can't tell what's ai or not and or whatever and um the other strange part man now that you say that i mean first of all what a what a great problem to have i mean can you imagine just a bunch of nebulous bots swarming around your work <laughs> just, just buying it all up you don't know where it's going or anything but it just sells out immediately i mean sign, sign me up dude but uh. i mean i think i the way i see this is that the the market for culture gets as liquid as the mm. market for uh crypto tokens right, uh, and, right, it, right. and if yep. you are not like out there with 21 million pieces plus then then you're just like not competing on the same scale. I think everything is going like hyper liquid, hyper financialized, and then everybody will hate everything and will like have to decide to turn the switch off <laughs> and like start yeah. over. Yeah. I'm thinking now about SoundCloud and how throughout the early, throughout like the 2000s and the 2010s, like what SoundCloud represented was an ability for musicians to not focus so much on like to put out more right to put out behind the scenes to put out like clips to put out like unfinished things and you had like so much of a much more of a glut of music and you know I, I i'm just thinking about like pretty much every kind of artistry whether it's writing or music or theater or dance or you know uh like cooking right anything that we turn into an art form like we reward abundance right mm -hmm. more poems more books more films right like no one would denigrate martin scorsese if he came out with two good movies in a year but there's this expectation with visual art that it's going to all be that there's going to be like sequestered all of these ideas and all of this technique and like a piece and it's going to get to stand for quite a while and i'm wondering like colborn why do you think that that has evolved with just visual art or like and is this the moment when like visual art is trying to have its like abundance renaissance it's the last thing that hasn't been touched by distribution and abundance Mm -hmm. right it's just inevitable this is where we are going and i i don't know you know i i really don't know how but the fact of the matter is is people will shift and it'll happen exponentially away from like mindless scrolling probably into mindless ownership and yeah and you know that transition feels inevitable we can even see it with like the warp cast and like the frames, which I don't really understand very well, but you're like able to mint things directly in the app. And it's like, at, at what point are you just like forgetting? And, and it, whether that's good or bad, I mean, zero one is along those lines too. Like you're collecting so much that it's almost like 
the goal seems to be that you're like almost forgetting all the things you're minting. They're just becoming part of this like tableau of your like tastes. Yeah. I mean the, the it's, you know, I ownership will be tied closer to your identity set than say like a like or a retweet or a comment. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're building all of these data profiles around ourselves. And in the past we did it around engagement in the future. We will want to do it around ownership because then we can at least own it, sell it, move it, you know, whatever. Um, but to think that we are not constantly on the internet, like taste making and curating and driving some sort of algorithmic process that defines the whole thing. Right. It's all very much interconnected. But um, I would even argue that it needs to be ownership because like I have this experience on Facebook where it's gone way too far with taste making. Like I love anime. And I've been really into Jujutsu Kaisen lately, and I love the anime. But now Facebook, which knows that I'll sometimes like stop and look at a graphic of some anime character or something or other, it's feeding me way too much of this content. And now like I'm being spoiled by manga that's ahead of me in the anime. And I like have to mute words because like it's taste making based on things I'm not consciously choosing. At least with ownership, I can at least like move the needle of whatever the algorithm is showing me to something that like is more in line with my taste than like these knee jerk reactions I have to like seeing a post that I'm lingering on for two seconds. The algorithm says, Oh, he must be interested in this content. Let's show him as much of it as possible. And then like, I'm caught in this feedback loop that I don't want to be in. But think about that when it's real time generated in those like 0.2 seconds, right? What if it knows like tonight you spent like 10% less time looking at that and then it shifts to a different, and then it's just like real time generating content for you. It's it's gonna be wild, man. I don't even know what to think about it. Do you, do you use do you use AI in any of your work, or have you? Uh, only only the Brothko series actually, and like it was it was interesting because like I was pretty I was actually pretty resilient to the prospect of it because I don't like uh, giving up control of uh, my vision. Like uh, I just I generally like have a pretty specific thing that I want to create, and uh, that's just it. But um it, it it became it did become a useful tool because like i painted you know i painted like 30 of those things and we trained the model around those 30 so it was kind of a it was kind of definitely a collaborative effort like not just raw output or anything like that i, I definitely appreciated that part of it but for the most part man i just i think that there's really something you probably get this with your writing too i think that there's a sniff test um especially with writing that i can i can pretty much always tell when it's ai and um, it's funny, like I've been asked if the stuff that I write is, is AI, uh, and, and, you know, I, it just definitely, none of it is like, I just, I love writing so much and it's like a really special thing to me. So I find the prospect of like a machine taking that over to be like really, really fucking sad, to be honest. Like I find it unbearably sad because <laughs> like, yeah. I already hate cause I, like, I hate my job. And so, you know, you can do that, <laughs> you can have at my job, but like, don't take away the thing that I actually like to do, you know? I, when I was, uh, you know, spending years applying to writing jobs with no experience, like it was only like these things that like, you know, game rant and screen rant, whatever. And it was just like taking away, it was just these like listicles and just the like most soulless, purposefully the most soulless, like formulaic kinds of writing. And I always just, I never understood it. Like we're here at this point when like, we are all seeking work that is inimitable, even via AI. Right. Like, you know, even if, like the beef Rothkos are clearly you, even if it uses AI. 
like yeah. we want this relationship with creators and like it's not it's like the sniff test is becoming more and more um complex by the day because we're like yeah. we're we're aware of what smells bad and yeah, more and more absolutely. aware of what smells bad and there's fewer and fewer things that actually smell pleasant yeah yeah for sure dude so to speak um anyways die i've taken up we've taken up too much of your time to begin with um let's uh no no let's no you got more <laughs> no i was just gonna say i i just i you it, this has been an awesome conversation so i i appreciate you guys having me on it's been super yeah it's always fun to talk about the shit that um yeah, it's just that we're all thinking about, uh, and hopefully people get like a, a new perspective on like whatever this shit is, you know. And maybe we can all wade through this, uh, this you know, shit stream together. Well, it's like it's like your work, man. You got to like look at the, you got to pull the shit out of the void and like actually take a look at it for a second. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> do you want to take a moment and talk to the audience, say what you got going on, anything like that? You have anything you want to mention to oh, the, yeah. the world? Thank you. I I mean, I hate plugging stuff, uh, but there there is, I mean, dude, like I was, we were talking before the show, um, myself, and then the incredibly, uh, in, in, in just incredibly talented Xerox and Luis Ponce, uh, who like we became friends through the Hickent Nunc era of like this, this madness. So, you know, it's like, it's gone back a ways. We, we did a collaboration together. It's just like, I'm just so proud of it and so happy with the way it came out. And we're going to, we're going to release that on foundation on uh, the 15th. So just like super stoked about it. And it's a really brutal piece. And um, I think that like the, the really important part of, of it is just that it embodies all of our styles without anyone feeling overpowering or something. So it was just really cool to collaborate with two other artists who I just adore and respect the shit out of. Um, I'm just, I, I'm just giddy about the piece. Honestly, like I laughed when I saw the final thing, I was like laughing because it took, it took like a year to finally manifest and like for all, all the kind of stars to align. And I was just, it's just, it's just funny, dude. Like, yeah, you, I think you'll really dig it. So uh, people can be on the lookout for that. Uh, it's, it's going to be wild. Cool. Looking forward to it. Colborn, any last, any last words for the world before we get out of here? No. All right. Nothing. Oh. <laughs> I will leave you only with this, which is if you liked listen to our conversation day with die with the most likes, please follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts or leave us a rating. I don't think a single person has left us a rating. I don't even know how you do that, but if you can no. figure it out, we will appreciate um, yeah. it. I'm not really sure even what it, I just hear every podcast host ask for like likes and ratings. I'm not actually sure what it does, but yeah. I can't imagine that like the audience for this podcast is too big outside of those who are listening anyway. But um, if you want to see equally thoughtful, content in writing form please follow our Substack at museumofcrypto.substack.com uh die with the most likes you can find on twitter at toad swyback at toad swyback uh if you don't already follow him colborn is colborn with a one i'm cohen the writer uh you should check out what we got going on um gentlemen thank you very much for being with you thank you so much for having me yeah take care everybody yeah thank you all yeah take will, care uh, all be back real soon bye-bye hi everyone thanks dude later This podcast was edited and produced by me, Max Cohen. My deepest thanks to Die With The Most Likes for coming on the podcast with us today. Thanks to Colborn for being my ace co-host. Thanks to Julian Brangold for composing our intro music. And thanks to Dayfox for composing our cold open theme. And of course, the biggest thanks to you. Yes, you, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you back again soon on another Mocha Live podcast.